Welcome to Making Sense of the Madness. I'm your host, Sean Morgan. We're going to question the mainstream narrative and expose media propaganda. I'm joined today by Captain Sherry Walker, an airline pilot who was put on unpaid leave for not taking the vax. She teamed up with attorney Danielle Runyon to help other employees get health freedom. All that and more. Stay with us. Welcome to Making Sense of the Madness. I'm here with Captain Sherry Walker and Danielle Runyon. All right, uh, let's start with you, Captain Sherry Walker. Tell us uh, what happened when they started instituting these mandates. Well, on August 6th, CEO Scott Kirby of United Airlines um, announced in the press, not even to his own people, that he was instituting a vaccine mandate. We had um, until I believe it was September 29th, be vaccinated or be fired. Of course, um, I am. I believe in the Constitution, Title Seven, and I said no. I think there's some laws that that need to be addressed here. So, um, through my friendship with Danielle Running and our third co-founder Laura Cox, um, we stepped up to help guide folks through the reasonable accommodation process. And when that didn't quite go our way, we ended up um, filing a lawsuit in the Fifth Circuit in, or excuse me, the Northern District of Texas. And so 2,000 of us teamed up and we are suing United Airlines for our Title VII rights. Wow. I want to see if the producer has both videos that, that feature the CEO basically uh, threatening the employees. Uh, producer, can you play those two videos? On August 6th, CEO Scott Kirby's draconian vaccine mandate forced 2,000 United Airlines employees to defend their medical autonomy and religious liberty. By the way, there are going to be very few people that get through the medical um, and religious exemption. Refusing to concede their faith or their rights, Captain Cherry Walker and Laura Cox joined pilot wife and attorney Danielle Runyon, drew a line in the sand organizing airline employees for health freedom. I spoke this morning to the airline employees for health freedom. With the downfall of the OSHA mandate, the war is redefined. Through our lawsuit and legislative efforts, we can stop the madness. AE4HF welcomes you to the war for our liberty, for our children, and for our nation. Join us today. Uh, by the way, there are going to be very few people that get through the medical um, and religious exemption. There's some pretty strict rules. Uh, about that. So I would encourage any pilot that's decided they all of a sudden, uh, or any employee that's all of a sudden decided I'm really religious um, and I'm going to say I'm going to get, you know, you're putting your job on the line. You better be very careful about that. Sherry, can you explain exactly what happened? Uh, you know, they, they made the mandate. You said you weren't going to take the vaccine or you tried to get a an exemption. What exactly occurred play by play? Well, as the... Um Process came out and the, and the company announced the vaccine mandate. And many of us faithful or those who have medical issues um, knew that under Title VII, we were afforded the opportunity for reasonable accommodation. And we tried to um, engage our company in an interactive process as required by the EEOC. And unfortunately, the company used a program called Help Hub, which is just an online uh, portal whereby we could put in our requests. Unfortunately, even our unions were pretty much on the side of the company and things that were not necessarily um, in line with EEOC best practices, such as um, being required to present a letter from an organized church, um, uh, questions about whether or not we'd ever taken vaccines in our lives or, or used certain uh, medical um, products such as Advil. And the process just became very much uh, uh, coercive. I would say that. And so as that started to happen, more and more people came forward and said, this is a violation of my faith. I, I do not want to be uh, involved in this process. And so we had to find a legal way forward. So um, we engaged uh, one of the top constitutional law firms in, in the country through Cher Jaffe and John Sullivan and um, laid out our case very nicely and moved forward. Those who did acquiesce along the way, um, we've had several that have had issues since, 
Um, but our group has stayed strong together, about 2,000 of us. Are you saying that there have been uh, vaccine-related injuries? Oh, of course, I think we've seen that across the nation. Um, you know, we've started to collect data on those at United that have um, had problems. We've got group at Southwest and, and of course, across other industries. So um, we'll see where that piece goes. But the unfortunate thing is our, our CEO started out with this saying that very few, this is the videotape, very few of you will get through the reasonable accommodation process. He's taken complete ownership that this was his personal decision, unfounded, we believe, in any scientific research on the part of the company, because at the point of the mandate, these were still emergency use authorization. They were not even um, approved uh, by by Pfizer, or, excuse me, by the FDA or anything like that. So it was a very um, uh, discriminatory and retaliatory process. Wouldn't you agree, Danielle? Yeah, Indeed let's bring the attorney into the into the conversation. Do you think he created some liability there with his uh, loose lips just kind of spouting off like that? I think so. I, I mean, I, I wish we could uh, see the video precisely to quote his words. I'm not going to attempt to recreate that. But for sure, what he had said was essentially that... Um, you know, if, if you're going to, if you think you're going to apply for a reasonable accommodation, essentially you're putting your job on the line. And that was at the beginning of the process and the coercion, that's where it started and it, and it continued from there. And many wow, jobs so were in fact lost. Mm -hmm. How many people, you mean they were lost, put on unpaid leave or are they, they were offered other types of non-customer facing jobs? What was it that happened exactly? Well, um, I, would, I would say that uh, we pretty much have three categories. We have those, what we call the forward-facing or above-the-wing employees, pilots, flight attendants, customer service agents. We have below-the-wing, which are your maintenance, your ramp, and, and those types. And didn't matter which category you were in, if you did not meet the company's requirement of August 31 to have your reasonable accommodation submitted, and, and, and things as simple as time zones, which they never indicated up front that, um, that they were living on central time. We always live on um, what the aviation industry knows as Zulu time. But we had some people who missed the deadline by mere minutes because they were located in a different time zone. If you did not have your reasonable accommodation in by a time uh, that they determined, they were going to terminate you. And if they didn't approve your reasonable accommodation, they would terminate you. And it didn't matter if you were forward facing or um, below the wing employees. Um, we were able to receive a, a restraining order. We actually did the first one as an agreement. And then after the company violated that, then, then the judge instituted a, a restraining order um, to give us a little bit of time to be able to have a hearing for a preliminary injunction after which time and they put the balance of those they did not terminate out on indefinite unpaid leave, effectively terminating all of us. Wow. Well, things have really changed since they instituted that mandate, uh, you know, culturally, politically, legally. Uh, and now you have the whole airline industry doing an about face. Uh, Danielle, can you tell us what's going on with the lawsuit? And can you comment on this changing environment? With respect to the lawsuit, presently our case is with the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, where it's been for a little while now. Um, oral argument was heard on January 3rd before the three-judge panel there, and um, it remains there where they're making the decision as to whether or not to, at United's request, to vacate the decision because United believes that by bringing everybody back, back to work um, that there's no need to have the decision um, out there. Uh, or to take it on banc, which means for the entire panel of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, the entire um, group of, of lawyer of uh, judges there to take it and hear it. And so we're just waiting to hear as to what they think should happen, whether or not it should be vacated or whether the entire court is going to take it and, and hear the case. Um, but for now, uh, everyone is going back to work to their original jobs. Can I add to that? Um so after we had the um, preliminary injunction um, uh, turned down, we appealed to the court that Danielle is speaking of. 
And in that appeal, we were favorably ruled that, in fact, we had suffered irreparable harm. And that was granted on February 17th. And that is the opinion that the airline is trying to get vacated by bringing us back. Just to clarify. Yeah, let's talk about that yes. concept of the har harm that's been done and can it be, you know, repaired here? I mean, they laid people off. They didn't have money, right? Uh, they coerced people into taking experimental vaccines. Some people have been injured by it. Uh, but even people who haven't been injured by it, they were coerced to do a medical intervention just to keep their jobs. So, uh, Danielle, can you comment on the types of harm that were done to different categories of people? So with respect to the irreparable harm that the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals found um, to be present, irreparable harm is in the coercion, coercing particularly those of faith to do something that would violate their faith. They found that to be an irreparable harm. So it really has nothing to do with um, anything that can be cured later on through the damages portion of the case. And with respect uh, to what point. has happened and occurred to, with, with respect to what's happened to some of our folks, just with some of their individual damages, I mean, as Sherry has pointed out, we've had people who have been um, terminated um, we have people who, yes, have been harmed from taking the vaccine, and we have the folks who have been on unpaid leave for either for their for faith-based reasons, um, and we have folks who are on medical leave as well. Now they were able to um, use some of their sick leave to get them through this process, but after that, they were going to be on unpaid leave as well. Right. Has the airline offered to make everything right financially with the people that they? Um, you know, caused a loss of income too? <laughs> no. And in fact, it's almost comical. As we get called back to work, we have employees who are actually have been working the entire time, working from home, forced to wear an N95 respirator anytime they're on a Teams or Zoom call, who just received notice that both on April 15th and one on June 1 will go on unpaid indefinite leave. So I, I don't even know that one hand knows what the other's doing, but they continue to put forth in front of people uh, these uh, letters that they agree not to sue the airline if, if they'll just uh, acquiesce. And so we're not even sure um, that, that, that sometimes that HR is even talking to the attorneys. Very interesting. We're going to go on a quick break. When we get back, I want to ask you about how this industry has really done an about face on this whole policy and what that really means as soon as we get back. Hello, everyone. This is John Michael Chambers, the creator and founder of American Media Periscope. Family, finances, faith, and freedom are four things that most of us would do almost anything to protect. At American Media Periscope, we trust the team at Sovereign Advisors with financial advice. With over 27 years of experience, a team that believes in people over profit and shares our views that family, finances, faith, and freedom need to be protected can help you protect your finances from erosion due to governmental policies that are out of our control. What is in our control? Our own decision to act or to not act. At American Media Periscope, we encourage you to act. Action changes things. Call Sovereign Advisors today, ask for Dr. Kirk Elliott, and start working with a team that will help you protect your retirement assets while sharing your desire to protect family, faith, and freedom. Call them today at 720-605-3900 and tell them John Michael Chambers sent you. Remember, freedom, it's up to us. Talking to Captain Sherry Walker and attorney Danielle Runyon about United Airlines putting a bunch of employees on unpaid leave, trying to coerce them into taking an experimental vaccine. Um, so going back to you, Captain Sherry, about uh, how everything has changed before all of the airlines were kind of in lockstep to try to force their employees to do a certain thing. I remember when this happened because there were many pilots and workers who were not happy about this. And they put don't tread on me flags outside of their uh, windows of their cockpits. So just as a signal to the world, hey, a lot of us are veterans. A lot of us don't believe in this. And maybe we've got kind of a, a gag order on us, but this is our way of getting the message out that we believe in freedom. Uh, can you comment on how it went from 
everyone being silent and kind of going these secret negotiations to what we have now, where even the leadership uh, has decided to just let it, let all the mandates go practically. Well, we have to love our friends over at Southwest. They are very colorful and those flags were great. Um, when it started though, keep in mind that the United mandate was strictly put in place by our CEO. The government mandates, the OSHA mandate, the um, federal contractors had not been put in place by the Biden administration yet. So our CEO was working of his own accord. Okay. So that separates us a little differently. And when it first came down, I reached out to the leaders of all the other airlines and said, where we go, you're going. So we need to coordinate our efforts and not long thereafter our announcement. That's when the OSHA mandate and the contractor mandate came out. And that's when the rest of the industry really stepped up. Now, uh, when those decisions were vacated, and Danielle can speak more to that, um, in, in, in the U.S. Supreme Court, those mandates, those airlines um, position just kind of fell by the wayside. A neighbor, my, my next door neighbor is an American pilot. And a reasonable accommodation, piece of paper, go to work, no questions asked. But our CEO pretty much doubled down. And I think it has to do legally with um, the reduction of his damages because he did put this in place prior to any mandates. So um, perhaps Danielle has some ideas on that, but, but I believe the other airlines position was more related to the federal mandates. Danielle, what are your thoughts? Uh, with respect to the other airlines and, the, and their positions on this? Sure, and also why do you think the CEO did what he did when he did it and uh, then doubled down? I think, again, my own personal opinion, I think he did what he did when he did it was because he thought that the OSHA mandate was, he saw it coming, he knew it was coming. I'm sure he did. Um, and he thought that, you know, let me get ahead of this. I think that it was seen as a marketing advantage. And early on in the process in, in media, he was saying that, you know, this is not gonna work unless everybody else gets on board. And I think he thought that everybody else in his industry would get on board. And when they didn't, and also probably to his dismay when, 2,000 of his, his employees stood up and said, you know, no, I'm sorry, we have faith-based and medical objections to taking this vaccine. That's kind of when it all started to fall down around him. And um, he was left as the last man standing on this issue. So now, now uh, he's reversed course. The government has largely reversed course. And uh, now we see that he's even signed a letter recently saying that masking should no longer be required on an airplane. Wow. So this did not end up helping him from a marketing standpoint at all. And certainly from a morale standpoint, Sherry, can you speak on how this affects the way employees think about their own company culture? Well, it's interesting. Um, back in October, as we were preparing for our preliminary injunction, or maybe we just finished our preliminary injunction hearing, our CEO actually went out on public television and declared that our coworkers don't want us back. They don't want to fly with us. And in fact, are afraid to fly with us. So of course, within an hour or so, we'd reached out to a number of them. And in fact, I think in two or three hours, we had over 500 letters from other pilots saying, no, we're not afraid of you. We'd like to still fly with you vaccinated or not. We understand that vaccines protect us, not necessarily you. But he created a culture of division. And while we've had several folks who believe in what we're doing or who are welcoming us back, I had a, a, one of our board of directors was uh, actually in the office. Today's the first day back. He went in to have an iPad repaired. And he said the buzz in the crew room is just, um, oh, the crazy anti-vaxxers are coming back or, or something. So we, while United is very good about declaring that um, they want an environment free of discrimination and, and there will be no retaliation. We're waiting to see how that actually is enforced. Good point, because discrimination isn't just by uh, race and religion and gender. I mean, it has to do with uh, your actually this does ha partially have to do with religion for some people, but it also has to do with just health health choices. So, yeah, this could end up turning into discrimination against the unvaccinated. Uh, so, Danielle, and any comment on that from a legal perspective on uh, what, what types of discrimination may be at play here? 
I think what we're seeing based on the information that our folks are giving to Sherry and I um, is a situation creating a, that's potentially going to create a hostile work environment. Um, on social media, some of, and I presume they're vaccinated based on some of the comments that we've seen, they are making uh, large accusations about uh, the, back, the unvaccinated coming back and that's going to cause problems and that they don't want to work with them and, and even some more colorful language as well. So I think that the company needs to be very careful. Um, they kind of created this situation, as Sherry said, um, by putting this out in the, in the media uh, months ago. I think they thought that it would probably help their case with respect to the preliminary injunction. And now we see that that's backfiring because people have held on to that. There's a division that has been created from the top down, and now they have to fix that because we can't have our people going back into the workplace and being treated any differently than they were before they left. That's a good point. And when you say hostile work environment, that's not just a uh, term we use in day-to-day uh, -day life. That's a legal term. Uh, is that correct? That a hostile work environment, that would be something illegal to purposefully and intentionally create a hostile work environment, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So, Sherry, what's the purpose of the organization? Why did you guys, you two are co-founders, there's a third co-founder. Why did all three of you get together? Is it just for United employees or is it beyond that? No, actually what we started um, uh, with, a, with a mailing list of like 165 people on a Friday morning when the announcement came out. And by Monday, we were 800. We met a a pastor who is also a part-time ramper and he had a couple thousand and everybody just kind of, and we just blossomed this group of uh, faithful full and folks that have medical issues. I mean, let me just say up front, we are not anti-vax whatsoever. Airline Employees for Health Freedom was founded on the belief that you have a choice and your employer is obligated to follow Title VII. So through our efforts, not only have we been able to bring our case at United Airlines, we have helped organize other airlines across the industry. Some folks at Amtrak were very successful. Um, now we've got a, a battle going on at um, Hawaiian Airlines. And I understand that the Atlas mandate, which was May 1, I believe, um, has since been vacated because they see the writing on the wall with our case. So from that effort, we've moved into lobbying to help um, those that are favorable to our cause in the U.S. Senate and in the House um, to br bring forth legislation. You may have been familiar with the Commerce Committee hearings, Senator Cruz questioning um, CEO Kirby in December. We were uh, instrumental in helping there. And now we're working um, rather closely with Senator Johnson's office and, and some of the others with regards to um, vaccine harm as they bring forth legislation on that issue. That's great. So you're doing lobbying. It's a lot of different types of efforts um, and lawsuits cost money. Do you guys, uh, are you seeking contributions, donations? Is it a nonprofit? Danielle? Dan Danielle? Well, yes, yes, we, we are a nonprofit and we are, we do accept contributions. We welcome contributions to continue our fight. Um, I will give you the uh, website, www.jabs4jobs.org. Um, you can go there. You can see what we're doing, see what we're all about. Um, we have a lot of content there. It's amazing how much work we've done over the past eight months. Um, I feel like it's, it's about 10 years worth of work. And Sherry and I are committed to moving forward and continuing on with that because we really need the public and we need our legislators to understand that, you know, what Sherry and I hear over and over again is that companies have the right to institute mandates. And early on, we understood that, um, you know, sure they do, but look at what these mandates have done to people. And we need to educate the public about that. There's been so much coercion. There's been so much discrimination. There's been so much mistreatment. Um, there's real harm here. Our folks have real damage. It is, it is astounding um, how the actions of a few people at the leadership of a company uh, can, can damage and destroy lives. So Sherry and I are committed to continuing this fight and to bringing the message forward in many different ways. And uh, Sherry, moving forward, do you think uh, that 
will go back to normal? Or do you think this, there's a precedent that's been set and that corporations and employees are going to have to duke this out more and more? Well, I think that we can hold the line until the fall. Um, it was very obvious in, in the callback letter that we received at United Airlines that uh, we're not out of the woods yet. If the case counts go back up, um, he is said that he is more than willing to put us back out on leave. So our individual struggle and situation um, is unique at United Airlines. And in fact, that threat to put us back out, like I said, was in that recall letter. Um, but that's also a notice to our coworkers. So um, that hostile work environment was kind of interlaced in that letter when he said, be sure to get your boosters. You know, you don't want to be too close to these other people. It didn't say that exactly, but in not so many words. So we see that coming now, whether or not... Uh, you know, if we if we go back to what happened at Christmas with Omicron and, and how the narrative just kind of fell apart, I think our coworkers are getting um, smart and, and we'll be all right. But um, the industry, we're going to take legislation to actually have to fix this. Right. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I want to talk about all of these pilots that have been passing out behind the wheel. Uh, you know, get your feedback on the statistics of more pilots having injuries due to vaccine adverse reactions as we get back. Helping their customers achieve global connectivity is the driving force behind this brand story. Satellite phones from Whenever Communications provide voice, SMS, and data services without the need for cellular network. So travel with confidence, knowing you're covered absolutely anywhere on earth. Satellite communications uh, for me started after a disaster that happened in Indonesia. At the time I was in communications, but more of on a local cellular communications. We started looking for different alternatives uh, to stay connected. Cell towers go down, landlines are no longer available, and we came across technology of satellite communications. Uh, everything from voice to data. We give people the ability to communicate wherever they want to go, whether it's just helping somebody work remotely or stay safe or feel safe if they're going offshore or have more redundancy for their business. So being able to give people that communications and reliability is really joy mine. Visit privatesatphone.com today for a free satellite phone with the purchase of a monthly service plan. We're here with Sherry and Danielle from United Airlines. Uh, well. Sherry's captain at United Airlines, and and Danielle, your husband worked for United, is that right? My husband is a part of the group, so he likes Sherry, and, and Sherry's husband is a captain at United Airlines, yes. So uh, thank you for sharing your story about how this organization came to be, but have you both been tracking the uh, statistics of increased injuries of pilots specifically, because I was looking at these statistics, how, you know, it have so many injuries per year. And then as soon as the vaccines are instituted, we've got more uh, situations of pilots being injured in the air than ever before. Uh, any comment on that, Sherry? Well, I would suggest at this point, that's probably more anecdotal than factual, because we have not had uh, the ability to get the Freedom of Information Act requests in the FOIA requests to get the actual year over year data, although I have requested some and we're just not far enough forward yet. So hopefully in the coming months, I'm actually a doctoral candidate at Oklahoma State University, and, and I'm working on my thesis along with um, some researchers in that area. So we should have more on that topic coming. Um, but anecdotally, um, we have seen, yes, an increase in perhaps pilots losing their medical certification. Um, like I said, we, we need the, we need good hard data and we'll be able to get it eventually. Will you be sharing that data, do you think, uh, through your organization or would that be privately? Oh, no. If, if we can get it and we can use it to help others, absolutely. I think, you know, the one thing that is important about our organization is uh, myself, Danielle, the board of directors, we get zero compensation and zero benefit from uh, from our efforts. We are doing this for safety, for the lives of those who are our members. And most importantly, I believe Danielle, myself, and Laura Cox, our co-founder, are doing it for our children. 
I have a 16 year old and someday I don't want to face him when he says, mom, why, when you had the chance, didn't you fight this battle? And Danielle's got two young ones. Laura's got one that's a little older. And, and that next generation is, is why we do what we do. And it seems like faith is a component as well. Could you both share if that's the case? And we'll start with Danielle. Yes, that's absolutely the case. Uh, that's the case for my husband and I. That's the case for the majority of our members. You know, I think, and, and again, what Sherry and I are gonna focus on going forward is getting back to what is this country about? What are the foundations of this nation? I think that has been, and I know Sherry will agree with me, completely lost in modern day times. Um, probably if you ask somebody about the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, they have very little knowledge about, about it at all. So we're committed to education and, and letting people know that faith is a foundation of this nation, end of story. And for people to say that that's something that can't be recognized or appreciated or respected or um, that you can't have a, an accommodation to continue to work your job while having a religious accommodation, it's, it's in my view, completely improper. And I'll just and, and Sherry, what about you? Well, I'll just say um, I am a Christian, but one of our main litigants, our six litigants in our um, class action lawsuit, is a Buddhist. Um, we have Orthodox Jewish people who are our members. We have Muslims. Um, we have pastors um, across the board. Faith is the foundation on which we built this organization. Of course, we, we the medically um, challenged under the America with Disabilities Act have, have become a, a, an integral part of our group as well. But I, I stand with Danielle. Our case at United Airlines will work itself through the courts and we will continue doing what we do. But she and I have um, kind of been become subject matter experts on a little bit of this. And we've been asked, she testified before the Virginia House. We've worked on the legislation in Florida. And so we're going to work um, to develop an additional organization whereby we can bring faith and the foundation of our nation back together, we hope, so that we can prevent this for our children. That's great. You know, I'm sensing, Sherry, that you're not just a captain of an airplane anymore. That you, <laughs> This is a new mission for you, right? Can, can you explain like where you go from here? Because it's not just flying airplanes. You're doing a d doctorate, right? I mean, what, what's your mission now? Well, Danielle and I really need to sit down and have a planning weekend, but we have some ideas and um, we are both very focused on bringing history and a pragmatic approach to raising our children so that we can get back to being the nation that, upon which we were founded with those same values. So um, I, I suspect you'll see more and more of us. Um, lots of writing. We're, we're, she's looking at a, a, maybe some children's books. Um, we'll, we'll just see where it goes over the next month or so. I do know in the immediate future, we're headed out to LA, um, uh, defeat the mandates. Um, Steve Kirsch's Vaccine Research Safety Foundation had Danielle on last week. We spoke in DC in January. And uh, so we're headed out to the West Coast rally here um, this week, or excuse me, next week, I believe. That's great. I was hoping to get both of you to comment on other corporations, other airlines, what they're doing that's right, what they're doing that's wrong, and perhaps also certain states that might have some good things going, good rules, uh, good, good uh, legislation going on, and other states that is not as friendly. Danielle? Sure. So um, we'll, we'll start with the states. So as Sherry mentioned, uh, we we had uh, some role in um, the Florida the Florida mandate. We had uh, provided uh, some, a significant amount of information to Governor DeSantis's folks, and um, that seems so far to be a success. Basically, the anti mandate statute. Um, in other states, uh, I'll tell you in, in the state that I am presently living in, in Illinois, in June, we're gonna be seeing uh, the governor here signing a bill that basically says that an employer can do anything uh, that they see fit to prevent COVID in the workplace. That's very dangerous, giving that wide latitude. Um, so I, I will we'll see what happens uh, going forward, but that's particularly dangerous and concerning and why Sherry and I are committed to 
educating the public on these issues. With respect to the airlines and other corporations and what maybe they're doing right or doing wrong, I'll just say generally, I think everybody's starting to move in the right direction. I think that some companies, we're seeing them, we're seeing them make some comments maybe to save face um, because some corporations maybe dug their heels in a little bit too hard. Uh, and to walk that back, that's, that's a big pill to swallow. So baby steps, but I think that I think largely we're going to see people moving away from pandemic to endemic to hopefully moving on to a better day. And I think that everyone needs to remember in November what has happened. This has been a tumultuous year, I'll say, for Sherry and I in particular and, and Laura, our other co-founder and our 2000 members. I mean, this is not something that any of us want to live through again. And we're committed to making sure that that doesn't happen. There is no reason why we cannot go back to living the way that we were pre-pandemic. There's enough measures now that can be taken to keep people safe. And we just need to be treated as responsible citizens who are able to do that without having these shutdowns as the Johns Hopkins University study showed that was damaging and, and really provided no benefit. So I think we need to take all these things into account, start learning from the mistakes that were made and move on. Absolutely. Uh, Sherry, can you identify any states or corporations that you wanted to comment on? Well, I will just say that um, we were, we did work with Florida and Florida did good job. Florida could have done more. And so they're modifying and moving forward. Um, my state, the state of Texas, only did it with, uh, you know, protected the employees through an executive order and it's an election season. So we'll have to wait and see how that turns out. But um, now we'll, we'll see where we can be effective. And I, I think it's going to end up that it'll probably have to be a federal level piece of legislation. But it seems like uh, this current administration would not be uh, would not be supportive uh, of health freedoms. So, uh, are you saying we might have to wait till twenty twenty four? No, I just think that we're all in it for the long haul. Let's put it that way. It's, it's okay. bigger than one administration, <laughs> I, and I think honestly, from what you've seen, the the courts system ha has supported us on on just about every mandate uh, has been shot down. And as, as we go to the fall, uh, the fall elections, I think that the folks that we bring in, we should take back the House. We should uh, hold the Senate. And um, those that are um, working on those issues, I think there's still an opportunity for critical thinking and science to prevail. And if we continue to push that issue, then I, I think cal calmer heads will prevail. Right. I mean, it's interesting that the left has tried to champion science, but it's turned out to be pseudoscience. They've been wrong in all the science. And so now you have, it seems like the Republican Party is much more geared towards health freedom, but we have a lot of rhinos too. So uh, do you guys want to comment on uh, what types of politicians are supportive of health freedom? Danielle? No. I was going to say, Danielle, I, I don't really want to talk about politics, but I will say that those who have been very receptive, um, a lot of them have a medical background. Um, Senator uh, Marshall, he's a, a physician from um, Kansas, I believe. You know, uh, Ron Johnson has been um, very much a science-based uh, person. So um, we're not necessarily the party, but we believe in the science, not the politics. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, like I said, we have a lot of rhinos. You have a lot of uh, Republicans who say they're Republican, but then when it comes to health freedom, they don't stand up for their constituents. So it is hard to throw your whole support behind, say, a political party. Are there any other organizations that are aligned with you uh, that are lobbying politicians, maybe of both sides of the aisle, uh, to, to, to achieve a common goal of health freedom? And Danielle, any thoughts? Well, that's, again, something that Sherry and I, uh, that's in our grander plan, grander scheme of things to start partner partnering with other organizations. And as Sherry was starting to allude to, you know, we're, we're apol apolitical. Um, excuse me. Um, we are not committed to any side of the aisle. We just want people to 
understand that health freedom, the freedom to, to exercise one's religion and to have freedom in this nation is instrumental to going forward. We cannot go back to the way things have been. We need to move forward with a clear vision for freedom, for um, what our founding fathers envisioned this nation to be, and for everybody to start getting along. And a, a phrase that Sherry and I use all the time, debate don't hate or debate not hate. I mean, we can't tell you how many times we express our views or our opinions, which are completely rational. Look, people might disagree with what we have to say, and that's fine. Um, I disagree with what a lot of people have to say, but I certainly don't go out there and um, attack people for saying something that I don't agree with. And what what we've seen through this process is a lot of attacks coming our way without a lot of substance. People are, many people are incapable of debating an issue. I mean, I want to hear why somebody disagrees with us. I want to understand why somebody thinks uh, different differently than we do. And that's another piece that Sherry and I are going to focus on going forward is to start engaging these people because that's really crucial to our nation. We should be able to debate, have critical thought, to uh, express our views and opinions without violence. And um, I, I don't know, I just look at this and think, what is this teaching my children, which I don't let them see any of this, but at some point, what is this teaching them other than that's a pro an appropriate way to act? So hopefully we can use all this as a teaching tool to um, correct the wrongs that have been made. Um, Sherry, do you have any comments? No, I think Daniel summed that up really nice. I, the whole time she was speaking, I'm thinking of the um, Defeat the Mandates rally we had up in D.C., and, and it was so wonderful standing on the opposite end of the mall and being able to say, it doesn't matter if you're right or left, if you're in the big domed building or the White House, we have to come together as a nation and it really doesn't matter your politics. We could stand on a stage with a, a person from the nation of Islam, a Hasidic Jew, us as Christians. It didn't matter. It's the issue, not your politic and, or your brands. We have to stop labeling each other and start putting the first label. We're Americans in front of us all. So, so yeah, no, I think that we're, we're on the right track. It, it is a issue bigger than a political party. What about unions? Aren't they supposed to stand up for their employees uh, and collectively bargain for them on their behalf, you know, to help employees with uh, securing their rights and so forth? Uh, but unions have become politicized and they use bullying tactics. Uh, they aren't willing to really do the debate thing that you just talked about with the d diplomacy. There's a lot of bullying and, and aggressive tactics that are used. Uh, Sherry, can you comment on the unions in the airline industry regarding health freedom? Oh, can I comment? That's another show. Um, $45 million, <laughs> the Airline Pilot Association, was given by United Airlines to push the vaccine mandate. Our president of our um, United Union is now campaigning for the president of the National Union um, because he was so successful in getting that money for the union. And the union is tasked with um, fairly representing all members. Unfortunately, um, they chose to um, not represent in many cases and in writing, not represent the um, rights of those in our organization. So I will just leave it at there is a lot uh, to come on the union issue. And I will say it's not just the pilot world. The flight attendant union was terribly coercive. Um, they, most of these unions did the dirty work for the airline. The managers would say a little something, but then the union would call up person and say, if you don't get your shot, they're going to fire you. And when they fire you, we can't defend you. And oh, they might take your child because you're a single mom flight attendant who won't have health care. And if you can imagine that, the girl did go do it. And she was ended up in the ER with a terrible, terrible reaction to the shot. And then when the company came to her and said, oh, we're sorry, sign this paper with your rights to sue us goes away. She said no. And then they fired her anyway. So Ted Cruz gave a nice wow. uh, brief about that young lady. But yeah, it's out there. The unions were terribly complicit in this and, and, and uh, we're not done yet. I'll just leave it at that. 
Danielle, what about the legal liability for these unions? They're supposed to represent all of their employees. Uh, they coerced people to get uh, medical interventions. Can you comment on that, uh, Danielle? All I can say is uh, I don't disagree with that, and um, we'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. But I think I think they know that they did not do their job. All right. Sherry, anything else you want to say about the unions? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll just leave it uh, with what Danielle said. <laughs> Fine for now. Okay. But is there anything else I want to give you guys the floor to express anything that, that's important that you want, the message that you want to get out there through your organization? Uh, perhaps there are other employees, perhaps there are other workers, perhaps there are other types of people you want their, their gifts, their um, their insight, their, them to join the fight with you. Um, Sherry, can you, uh, you have the floor. All of the above. Um, we are actively soliciting anyone who is vaccine harmed anywhere in the aviation or transportation world. If you go to our website, Jabs for Jobs, there's a big bold button on the front page. Click that and uh, we're trying to rally a clinical study um, to track uh, how these folks have been harmed by, by these actions. Um, funding is key. Uh, we've, we've still got a big battle in front of us. So um, if you believe in religious liberty or the ability to fight back against your employer, what we do may end up setting some case law or, or some precedents. So if you could throw us a few dollars, we would appreciate that as well. Uh, most important, we need your prayers. Um, we, we need your support and love and prayers. Great. And uh, Danielle, what message do you want to get out there that, that you haven't been able to express yet today uh, to everyone who's uh, has the potential to to join join your organization? I would say that if you have the opportunity to stand up for what you believe in, you absolutely need to do it. I, I think that I think people largely are are law abiding citizens who view standing up and speaking their voice, having their voice heard, it's it's uncomfortable. I mean, this is uh, not something that I envisioned myself doing. If you asked me two years ago if I would be here doing this, but you know what? I'm proud to be here and I wanted to be here. And uh, this was an issue that I wasn't willing to sit back and um, allow allow it to pass me by. So I think the, the lesson that everyone needs to learn and we encourage people to come and join us, Sherry and I and Laura uh, are willing to talk through issues with people and also teach people um, how to do what we did because it's power in numbers. And the more people stick together for what they believe, the more powerful you're going to be, the more powerful your voice is going to be. And I think, I think that at the beginning of this, uh, if it wasn't for the coercive process, we would have been many more thousands strong. But unfortunately, um, you know, for, for either family reasons, financial reasons, whatever it might be, um, people had to violate their faith, very unfortunately, um, or even the, the advice of their doctors. So I hope, I hope everyone can look at us and say, you know what, those people stood up for what they believed in and they are a success story. And next time something like this happens, we are gonna stand up and we are gonna speak out and we're gonna band together to make sure that our liberties and our rights are not trampled. Can I just That's add right. one thing? That's right. Courage. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Sherry. And, uh, and Danielle brought up a great point. There are still mandates out there and there are people who still need help. And if you do, go to our website, get in touch with us. We will help you. We will teach you how we put this together, how we helped and, and held this organization so that you can stand up and fight back for yourself and your family. Yeah, and, and you guys have put together a model. There, sure, go ahead. <laughs> I, I just I, I want to say this because I'm sure that somebody out there would take that comment to say, oh, look at what Sherry and Laura and Danielle orchestrated. We didn't mm -hmm. orchestrate anything. And this is something I feel very, very strongly about. And I want people to understand this unequivocally. We didn't coach anybody. We didn't persuade anybody. We stood up for everybody. And we put ourselves, our faces, our lives on the line to make sure that everybody was protected through this process. 
we, how many nights, Sherry, were we up talking to people on the phone through the stress of all of this? We took care, we mothered 2000 people. That's what we did. So I just want that to be very clear because I'm sure that anybody out there who's thinking, oh, you know, they, they uh, coach this process along. Absolutely not. Our people stand for themselves and we are just a like-minded group of people. And Sherry, Laura, and I decided to take the helm and charge forward. I truly appreciate that. It is like being a mother bear of your community, uh, of really of the whole nation. You guys are standing up for, for America and all Americans. And uh, for that, I thank you because courage is contagious. And the more people that stand up, the more others feel uh, confident to stand up as well. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Sherry and Danielle, uh, you are true patriots in my view. Thank you. We're going to go to a you. quick break. When we get back, I'll give you the final thoughts. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is John Michael Chambers, the creator and founder of American Media Periscope. Did you know that annuities are a great way to protect a portion of your retirement portfolio from downside risk? And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they are probate free and can provide an income that you can never outlive. With all the different companies, features, indexes, and benefits, which annuities do in fact offer, it can be confusing choosing which annuity is best for your unique situation. Let a company you can trust help you to select an annuity that is right for you. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. Tell them John Michael Chambers sent you. Add an annuity to your retirement portfolio and start enjoying the many benefits that smart investors love. Cleveland Insurance Group. Thank you for watching American Media Periscope, America's Patriot-only super channel. On March 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern, James Grumvig and Scott McKay will be leading a Zoom town hall event. You can call in, you can ask questions, they will answer them. It is for premium subscribers only, so make sure you sign up on our homepage. On April 1st and 2nd, John Michael Chambers will be speaking in Salem, Oregon at the Clay Clark Reawakening America Tour event with Mike Flynn and a ton of other alternative leaders of the medical industry, true patriots getting together. You can also watch remotely at home. Tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, right here on Making Sense of the Madness, I'm going to be interviewing Matt Eretz and Josh Reed about Russia and China, the balance of global power. It's going to be a really great talk. Make sure you tune in. Next up tonight, we have Scott McKay, the Patriot Street Fighter at 7 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you sign up for my breaking news updates at seanmorganreport.com. God bless all you patriots. Good night and good luck.